Matthew chapter 21. And this morning we're going to cover verses 1 through 11 and then we have communion today. As we begin reading here in verse 1. It says, Now when they drew near Jerusalem and came to Bethphage at the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say the Lord has need of them, and immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, Tell the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. And so the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them. Then they brought the donkey and the colt, laid their clothes on them and set him on them. And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he had come into Jerusalem, all the city was moved, saying, Who is this? So the multitude said, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. I'm sure many of us are familiar with this story right here. Uh, Many uh, people call this Palm Sunday. And it's called Palm Sunday because over in the Gospel of John, chapter 12, I believe it's verse 13, it says they cut down palm branches and they would wave them. They would even lay them on the road as Christ came uh, here seated upon a donkey. But as you look at our study today, I'm going to divide it up into a couple of sections. Number one is transportation, and number two is presentation. You know, again, it's a story that we're so familiar with. Uh, Many of you have probably heard this uh, even since you were small. But I pray that it would be fresh and that God would continue to speak to our hearts. You know, I know you guys are going through things in life. You're making decisions. Uh, Some of you here are distanced yourself from God, unfortunately. Uh, Others are drawing near. But I just know that God wants to do a work in our life. And He can use this study today to change our life, to save our life, to give us the strength that we need and the wisdom that we need in these days that we're living, wherever we're at in our life. You know, when you look at this, uh, I was at uh, In-N-Out the other day. It was kind of funny, and I saw the little sign right there. It said this, this is not an oxymoron. It says freshness for the last 60 years. <laughs> and I was thinking, you know what, that's true. And so we got a cheeseburger and some french fries, took a good bite into it, and I said, you know what, it is fresh, even after 60 years. And this is fresh. It really is. You know, one of the things that you'll see as we go through our study today, I believe the Lord really impressed it on my heart that God wants to give us peace. He really does. You know, peace is a hard thing to find nowadays because it seems like we're struggling with so many things. And a lot of us here have so many fears in life. And we're wondering if things are going to turn out our way or or in a way that would be favorable to us. You know, peace is the antithesis of what? War. And when you don't have peace in your life, then there's a war going on inside, and it's not good. And here we see as Jesus came, we're going to see him seated on a donkey. As the king came on a donkey, that was an offering of peace. 
It was a time of peace. And we see that here today. We even, first of all, by looking at the transportation. You know, we see there in verse 1 that they drew near Jerusalem. Jesus and his disciples are drawing near for the cross is coming. They come to this village. It's called Bethphage there in verse 1 at the Mount of Olives. So it's about two and a half miles away from Jerusalem. And as they arrive there, it's kind of interesting. The Lord sends two of his disciples into the next village. And he wants to send them to bring him the transportation for the rest of the journey. They were to go. They were to loose the donkey, the colt, the foal of a donkey. And as they were to go, he gives them specific instructions. He says, listen, when the owner questions your actions, just tell them the Lord has need of him. You know, and just as a quick side note here, I think it's so interesting how the Lord Jesus Christ had to borrow transportation. Isn't that interesting, you guys? How many of you here have, don't have transportation and you have to borrow it? Or maybe, you, you know, you're on the bus and stuff. The Lord was right where you're at, man. He didn't have wheels. He didn't have a horse, a stallion. He didn't even have a pinto. <laughs> he had to borrow the donkey. And, you know, I just think it's so interesting when you see that in the life of the Lord. You know, we don't read anywhere in the Bible, really, of Jesus possessing any personal property other than the clothes that he wore. Think about that. You know, later when it was time for him to teach about money, he had to borrow a coin, a denarius. Interesting. You know, he had to borrow a boat from Peter. We see that in Luke 5. And a couple of times when he wanted to feed the people, he even had to borrow a sack lunch from a little boy and others. We see that in the life of the Lord, even when he came and he died, and he died for our sins there, he had to borrow a grave for his body to rest in. Even though it was just for the weekend, we see still that he had to borrow these things. You know, it seems that Christ Jesus, one thing we know for sure, that our example, our Lord, he was not materialistic. He was not covetous. He was very content. You know, he didn't own very much. You know, if necessary, he would sleep and rest on a rock. He would bundle up on a bench. He didn't have a home. As a matter of fact, in Luke 9, when some guy came to him, he said, Lord, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus said to him, foxes have holes and birds of the air have their nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I mean, God didn't even have a home. We see that here. And he borrows a donkey for his transportation. Now some, in looking at this, might wonder, well, why did he do that? Why did he borrow a donkey? Was he getting tired? Was he like saying, hey, this walking stuff is the pits. Man, my ankles are bothering me, you know. I can't make it the last couple of miles. He was about to go down into the Kidron Valley and then again up, ascending into Jerusalem. And so is that why he borrowed a donkey? No, that's not why. Verse 4 and 5 tell us why. It says, all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of a donkey. You see, the Lord did this specifically. He borrowed the donkey, not because he was tired, but because he was in the process of fulfilling the prophecy of Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9. It was a prophecy written 500 years before Christ, that the Messiah, the King, that when the Messiah came, that when the Savior came, that when the King came, that He would come to them lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, the foal of the donkey. This type of transportation was a beautiful picture of humility. 
And it was a clear picture of peace. You know, for the Jews, whenever the king rode on a donkey, it was a ride, it was a journey, it was a time of peace. We read that over in 1 Kings chapter 1 when David chose the next king. In order to make his will publicly known, he had his son Solomon ride through town, it says in 1 Kings one thirty-three, on a donkey. This meant that the king was now crowned and he was arriving in peace. You know, and we look at this, you guys, and I just really love this whole concept right here. And I want to kind of camp out on that. I mean, you know, we see the Lord coming so humbly to us the first time around, don't we? You know, to grant us peace with God, to give us the peace of God. Now, we know this, you guys, that the second time the Lord comes, He's not coming on a donkey. The next time the Lord comes, He's coming on a white horse. He's coming in judgment. He's coming in war to bring vengeance on those who have resisted his love and his grace. But one thing's for sure, the period that we're living in right now, we are living in a time of peace. And I just wonder, man, my heart goes out to you guys. My heart, you know, even I look inside at it and I wonder, Lord, do we really have peace? Do we really have peace? Not only with God. I know a lot of you here are saved already. You know the Lord. You love the Lord You know, He's everything to you in that sense. He's your Savior and you've trusted Him to wash away your sins. And you know the Lord. But I would venture to say that most here don't have that peace of God. And yet the Lord wants to bring it to us. I think a lot of the reason why we don't have the peace of God is because we don't see the way that He descends into our life on a donkey. Do you realize how gentle God is? Do you realize how humble he is? How lowly he is? How lovely he is? And here we are, we're worrying about everything. You know, we're worrying about, oh, you know, is this going to happen? Am I going to be able to make ends meet? Is this going to take place in my life? And you've got your job, and you've got your finances, and you've got your children, and you've got everything. You've got the ministry. And, you know, we worry about so many things, and we're not really walking in that peace that God wants to give to us. And I just pray that today, as we see the Lord, He coming so lowly, sitting on a donkey, loving you so much, that we would allow that to just penetrate our hearts. Man, you know what? He's going to take care of you. Did you know that? He's going to take care of you. Oh, but we have to live obediently. Yes, we do have to live obediently. But you're never going to live obediently if you come from that angle. You're going to live obediently when you come from the angle that understands God's love and understands God's care and understands His humility and His gentleness with us and His long-suffering and His love that never changes. You see, that's the peace that God wants to give to us. He doesn't want us walking around freaked out, worrying, stressed. I mean, how many of you here stress out? He doesn't want us to do that. You guys didn't even raise your hand and all of you are stressed out. I know you are, man. (laughs) No, you know what? One thing about the Lord, he was so busy. I mean, can you imagine? Was there ever anyone busier than him? No way, huh? He was so busy. But he didn't didn't stress out. I'll bet you he had no gray hairs. (laughs) I don't know, man. I pray that we would understand what God wants to give to us. Jesus said in John 14, verse 27... Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. 
Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In John 16, verse 33, he said, These things I have spoken to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I have overcome the world. In Romans chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, we have the truth about those who do not know the Lord. It says this, Destruction and misery are in their ways, and the way of peace they have not known. Those are those who don't know the Lord. They don't have peace with God. If you're here today and you haven't really given your life to Christ, you don't have that peace with God. You're in war. You're in enmity with God. But it goes on to say this in Romans 5 verse 1, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You know, I grew up in a, in a kind of a religious setting. I, I grew up, as a matter of fact, I went to parochial school. I went to Catholic school. And I was kind of an okay guy. Um, I did my stuff, you know, but I didn't know the Lord. I was not saved. I didn't have a relationship with Him. I was an enemy of God. I didn't have peace with God. And there are a lot of people, unfortunately, in this country that we live in, and they have a misconception thinking that if they're a good person, a moral person, if they claim to be a Christian, then, you know, they are going to be okay. But, but we know that they're not, huh? You really have to yield your life to Christ. You must, we must surrender to his love. Turn from our sins and receive Christ as our Savior. Then we can have peace with God. Then we can be justified by faith. Then and only then, I don't care how much you go to church, then and only then will you be forgiven of your sins. You see, that's the peace with God. That's why Jesus Christ came on this donkey. He came to offer the peace with God, but he also came to offer the peace of God. That as we go through life, and I know you guys have so many things that are going on in your mind, and your wheels are spinning, and you're manipulating, and you're conniving, and you're trying to think about how you're going to get your way. That makes things worse. Rather than just saying, this is what I'm going to do, I'm going to fall in love with God. I'm just going to stay focused on Him. And then, you know what? When you stay focused on the Lord, He's going to take care of everything. What does the Bible say? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. And then all these other things will be added unto you. You see, when we seek first that relationship, or when we seek first that you know, ambition, or that possession, or that position, or whatever it is, then you're never going to have the peace that God wants to give you. And I just, I just, man, doesn't your heart go out to people? Some, you know, we see people stressing out, freaking out, you know, just so many things. And I just wanted to stop right here and just say that's not how God wants us to live. Yeah, I know you're going through tremendous trials. Yes, I know there's a lot of things going on, but God wants you to have peace. He really does. Jesus rode in on a donkey. He came like Melchizedek, the king of Salem, the king of Jerusalem, the king of peace. As a matter of fact, Ephesians 2.14 says that he himself is our peace. That's why he came on a donkey. That's why we see the transportation there before us. And then as he came, you know, in that transportation, he then offers to us that presentation Again, in verse 7, it says, They brought the donkey and the colt, they laid their clothes on them, and set him on them. 
And a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. Others cut down branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out. And they were saying from the book of Psalms, it says, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. It's kind of interesting. Up to this point in his ministry, Jesus never purposely drew attention to himself. He had never really openly, honestly, genuinely presented himself as the Messiah publicly. You know, we see that so often in the scriptures. Remember when he healed the leper back in Matthew chapter 8, verse 4. It says, And Jesus said to him, See that you tell no one. Don't tell anyone that I healed you, what I've done. Why? Because it wasn't the right time. We see even later in Mark chapter 7, verse 36, in the region of Decapolis, That Jesus healed a man who was deaf and mute. And then we read there, it says that he commanded them that they should tell no one. You see, up to this point, Jesus had not publicly presented himself to the people as the Messiah. After the transfiguration, we even read in Mark chapter 9, verse 9, that as they came down from the mountain, he commanded them that they should tell no one the things they had seen till the Son of Man had risen from the dead. In Caesarea Philippi, when Peter proclaimed him as the Christ, the Son of the living God, we read in Mark chapter 8, verse 30, then he strictly, he said, if you don't, I'm going to beat you up if you don't listen to me, basically. He said, he, he strictly warned them that they should tell no one. I mean, up to this point, he was very, very meticulously guarding him publicly, presenting himself to the people as the Messiah. All these times, Jesus did not draw attention to himself. But now we see something totally different. He makes plans for this. He prepares for this. He prophesies for this presentation. He sovereignly sets everything in order so that he can now present himself to the people. His time had now come this day, this way, because of the love that he had for the people. And so they bring him the transportation It's a donkey that had never been ridden on. That's kind of an interesting thing when you think about it. A donkey that had never been ridden on. So how's he going to ride on it? In his majesty, huh? It's kind of interesting. This donkey is kind of symbolic of us in many ways. No offense, you know. But, you know, we're like donkeys uh, because so many times we're stubborn, man. And then you can just visualize the Lord wanting to use this donkey for his glory. But we're not much. We're, we're just donkeys. But this donkey submitted to Jesus, just as we need to submit to him. But they go and they get the donkey. They put their clothes on the donkey. Jesus sits on the donkey and then begins his descent. The people lay their clothes down on the road as if they're kind of like rolling out the red carpet for the king. They put their clothes down. They cut branches down. John 12, verse 3 is the one that tells us about those branches. And there were so many people there. There, Man, Josephus tells us that on that week, there were 256,000 lambs that were sacrificed. And so when you do your math, you find that in Jerusalem, in this week, there were over 3 million people there. And they were there. Some would be camping on the side of the road to see this. Some would even come and join this. They were going before him. They were going after him. As they put their clothes down, they cut branches down. They all kind of like bowed down to him as they sing Psalm 118, verse 26, which is a messianic psalm. And they say, Hosanna. Hosanna to the son of David. 
Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And the whole city is moved. And they began to ask. It says right there in verse 10, Who is this? The answer in verse 11, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth of Galilee. Here we see Jesus is honestly, openly, publicly presenting himself. So obvious when you look at the transportation, the declaration to the people as the Messiah. Why? Because this is the day that had been prophesied in Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. The Bible says, Know therefore and understand that from going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem until Messiah the Prince, there shall be seven weeks and 62 weeks. And so we look at that. If you would, just jot that scripture down. Maybe you can read it later. Daniel chapter 9, verse 25. There was the prophecy there that from the going forth of the command to restore and build Jerusalem, until the Messiah, the Prince, would come, there would be 69 sevens. Now you take out your calculator, you take out your calendar, and you work all this out. And you realize that the command was issued from King Artaxerxes, March 14th, 445 BC. The command went forth. You count from there, 69 sevens. And what you end up with, with 173,880 days. And so you take out your calendar, you just, man, count it real simple. I know we can all do this. And you end up with this, April 6th, 32 AD. Guess what happened on that day? On that day, on that day, Jesus came riding into Jerusalem. For all of us to see, for the Jews to see, to understand that this is the king. This is the prince. This is the one that we've been waiting for. And then at that point, as we see this amazing prophecy being fulfilled, as we see how lovely God is, how humble God is, how wonderful He is, then we have to make a decision. Will He be the King of my life? Will He truly rule over my life? Will He sovereignly sit on me and use my life for His glory? And everybody has to make a decision. What about you today? Have you crowned Christ as the king of your life? Is truly he the one that directs your decisions? Is he the one that leads you? Do you love him more than anyone else? Really? See, that's where we need to be, you guys. I mean, we see this, and it's kind of interesting too, just as a side note here, to the Jews, you know, this is Passover week. This is one of the biggest weeks of uh, history, you know. All the males were required to be there. I think it's cool, man, to take a pilgrimage to Israel, to Jerusalem. is going to be so neat. And as they're there in Jerusalem, you know, Passover is on a Thursday. On a Sunday, they would have to pick their Passover lamb. And that's when the Lord came. Would we choose him as our Passover lamb? And we have to make that decision. You know, for some of you here, most of you here, you've made that decision as a Christian and He is the one who has saved you. But I think that you need to make that decision again, a lot of us here. You know, it's almost like we have to make that decision every day, don't we? Isn't it so amazing, you guys, how life is one day at a time? I mean, the Bible talks about this uh, many times, how, you know, God give us this day, our daily bread, take up your cross daily and follow Him. Because if not, what ends up happening is we drift away. Life is made up of days. Life is made up of moments. I wonder, you know, if we have really 
allow Jesus Christ to be the king of our life, if we've really selected him as our Passover lamb. I mean, if you simply count the days, you realize the amazing prophecy that Christ gives to us. And what does God want to do? God just wants to set us free. God wants to give us peace in this life that we live in. You know, a lot of you here, a lot of us here, we've come out of Egypt, okay? When we were in Egypt, we were in bondage. We couldn't obey. Some of you here were addicted to drugs and alcohol. Some of you here were in love with yourself just way too much, right? I mean, we were just caught up in all these things, and we could not change. We did not have the power to change. I know I could never change. You know, I started drinking when I was just a little kid and doing drugs and smoking, and that led to other things. And, you know, I could never change. There was no way I could ever be set free from those things until one day, one day, one day. By God's grace, I made a decision to follow Jesus Christ. And from that day, I was set free, right? And that's what Passover is. You remember what happened, you guys? You read there in the book of Exodus chapter 12, the Passover lamb. He was then chosen by the Israelites and then he would sacrifice the lamb. And the instructions from God was, I want you to take the blood and I want you to put it on your doorpost, on the lintel and the post. And as you had that blood on your house, so amazing, this prophecy, then when the angel of death came, he would pass over. Nothing would happen, right? No one would die in your house. The firstborn would not die. That's what Passover was. And that's what Passover is. As you receive Christ as your Lord and Savior, as you allow His blood to be put on your house, then God passes over you. The firstborn was sacrificed in our place. And then guess what? You and I are set free to come out of Egypt. No more bondage. You know, if you're a Christian, you don't have to sin anymore. Now, you still do, unfortunately, because you want to sometimes, man. But we don't have to anymore. We don't have to sin. God has set us free. And I pray that in that truth, as we look at this this morning, that we would choose him once again. As he comes down that you know, hill there in the Kidron Valley, as we see him on the donkey, that we would not only have the peace with God, which I know a lot of you here do, but I'm really praying this morning that we would take it farther and that we would be a people that have the peace of God. As a matter of fact, I was thinking, if you would, let's turn back to Matthew chapter 11 because I see kind of like the same thing here. You know, in, in the Lord is speaking to the people in verse 28 of Matthew 11. He says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, And I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. You know, I wonder sometimes if we have a misconception of how awesome our God is. You know, sometimes I think we think, oh, he's there and he's just ready to bust us every time, you know. Like when I got the ticket not too long ago, there's a police officer and he's like hidden right there, man. And he's just watching me. Is he going to make a complete stop or how fast is he going to go? He's pointing the radar gun at me or whatever. And sometimes I think we think that's how God is. We really do think that's how God is. He just wants to bust us. And so we're living life like that. There's no peace. And yet we don't realize how God really is. 
It says right here, once again, he says right there in verse 29, I'm lowly in heart. I'm gentle. God is just saying, I love you so much. And if you're here today and you're just heavy burdened and there's just things on your heart or just stressed out or whatever it is, man, you're carrying burdens that you shouldn't carry, God is just saying once again, cast all your cares upon me for I care for you. See, this is the God that we serve. And as we have this peace, no matter what the situation is in our life that passes understanding, then I believe God will do a greater work in our life as we just uh, embrace him once again as our king, as our Passover lamb, as the one who is here, man, just not only willing to carry our, our burdens, but also willing even to carry us. And then you're going to have fun in life. You really will. You know, I, I, I just, don't you guys just love the way God made us as far as um, being able to smile? Isn't smiling really cool? I remember when I was in high school, there was this one girl, she always used to tell me, smile. Because I was, I was, I don't know why, I never smiled. I, I don't know, I, maybe I wasn't filled with joy or, or peace or what. But I just think that that smile and the, and the joy and the laughter and the freedom, as God lifts up those burdens from us, that's how God wants us to live. Yesterday was so cool, went to the park and played soccer with the kids and I fell down so hard, man. But I had fun. Scored the winning goal. It was an amazing thing. And believe it or not, God wants us to live a life of joy. He really does, you guys. Even in the midst of all the hard times that you're going through. But you need to refocus. You need to remind yourself how gentle, lowly, lovely, meek, and humble God is. You know, in your life, he came on a donkey. Thank God you're not facing him when he's on the white horse. And so let's, man, let's just meditate on this today, you guys. Let's fall in love with the Lord. Let's uh, just give him all our cares and burdens today. As we partake of communion together, I just pray that we would be reminded of the great, great love that God has for us. And as we are reminded of that today, then we would love him back. Yes, we would live a life of obedience, but it's motivated by how beautiful God is, how wonderful he is. That's the best motivation. If that doesn't work, then go ahead and fear God. (laughs) But let's know how much he loves us. Father, we thank you so much for loving us. And thank you for coming, Lord Jesus, the King of kings and Lord of lords, the one who sits on the throne, ruling the whole universe, how you sat on a donkey and you descended on that hill so lowly, so meek to extend that olive branch of peace to our life. And Father, I just thank you for everyone here, Lord. I just thank you for, Lord, just bringing us together today to discover, Lord, the love that you have for us. And Father, I pray that we would embrace you, that we would not be like the people of the past who said, Hosanna, but they only meant it in a physical way, not in a spiritual way. Oh, Lord, I pray that today, Lord, we would just mean it from our hearts. That if there's any areas in our life that we've been holding on to, Lord God, anything, any reservations in our commitment to you, that, Lord, today, um, by your gentle, 
power, you would allow us to let all those things go and to live our life for you, Lord. Thank you so much for coming to us. And Lord, as we partake of communion now, Lord, I pray that you would just speak to us, Lord, that you would just allow us not to be distracted with anything, with anything, but Lord, that our hearts would be on you. We love you, Lord. We thank you. And uh, we just pray you touch every heart. In Jesus' name. We're going to partake.